0: Welcome, dear listeners. We're reconvening now in the Valhalla-like halls of cinematic justice, and we're here to review some films for you today. Damo, good day to you, sir. Hello, dear. How are you going? I was just taking a sip of water. (laughs) That's okay. We all have to uh, drink water at some point. Understand? You have three days to live if you don't drink water. So you have the rules are three, isn't it? It is the rules of three. I'm not sure. No, no. I think it's,
1: it's three days. Is it what you said? Three yeah. day, three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food,
0: three weeks without food, and uh, three minutes drinking your own urine before, you, <laughs> and, then, and then you just pass out. So, what movies have you seen? So, <laughs> well, speaking of drinking your own urine, Knives Out. Ah, Knives Out. Dear listeners, if you like an Agatha Christie. If you like a Inspector Morse, if you like a Midsummer Murders, you will love Knives Out. And even if you don't like those shows, take my word for it. This is an enjoyable night at the cinema. You and just, just look at the cast list for a start. It does have a terrific cast list. Now you've got um Daniel Craig. Yeah. You've got Chris Evans. You've got Anna Armas, who people would know from Blade Runner 2049 as the hologram that uh Ryan. Gosling falls in love with but she has also been in uh, quite a few other films as well she's also in the new Bond no time to die you've got Jamie Lee Curtis love Jamie Lee Curtis Michael Shannon that's Don Johnson who's Don going, Johnson who is good. He's going through a bit of a Don Johnson's at the moment. Like there is like he's in Watchmen, he's in this. He is terrific. He's and really he's, good in that. He's aging so yeah. well. He's he's he is such a terrific actor. I've got a real soft spot for John Don. Tony Collette. Don Johnson. John Donson. John Donson <laughs> this is uh that's his Standon's name. Yes. No, Don Johnson. Uh, let's face it, Miami Vice ruled. That's why I love him. Tony Collette. Lakeith Stanfield. Who also is in another film that we will be talking about on a future episode, Uncut Gems? Uh-huh. You've got Catherine Langford, uh, young actress on the rise. You've got Christopher Plummer. Also, you've got Frank Oz making an it appearance. Was fun. That was fun. And one of the a little cameo that I loved that apparently Ricky Jay was going to play. You're talking about Emmett Walsh. Emmett Walsh. And uh I thought he was terrific. Yeah. And of course the requisite appearance, uh, the requisite vocal appearance of Joseph Gordon Levitt, who's a bit of a spirit animal for the director and it's writer. Been in every one of everyone his films. Ryan Johnson Wrote and directed this film, and uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's been in every one of his films in some form or fashion. Of course, most famously, Ryan Johnson uh, is the director of The Last Jedi, and this is his follow up. So it's a bit of an 180 degree spin from space fantasy into Murder Mystery Who Done It, uh, which is very much in the vein of Agatha Christie's novels. So just to get a flavor of what we're talking about here I am Detective Lieutenant Elliott, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday.
1: Oh. How was it, by the way? The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed.
0: What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask.
1: i am gonna live till I die.
0: You think one of his family walls walls killed Is that what you're suggesting?
1: Then I cry. I'm gonna take the You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass.
0: Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, oh God.
1: eat shit. How's that? Eat nice. shit. Yeah. Eat I shit. Eat shit.
0: Smug smile.
1: Definitely oh eat God. shit. Gonna dance. Gonna fly. I'll take a chance. You know something. Spill it. I suspect. Foul play. Well, I have eliminated no suspects.
0: It's
1: a twisted web. We are not finished untangling it. Not yet. What is this?
0: CSI KFC? <coughs> Huh. Quite amusing, that trailer. Um, well, I, I like the CSI KFC. Yeah, the CSI KFC. Yeah, Chris Evans, who you heard uh, telling his family members to eat shit, he's playing very much against the type we've been, well, so R- used Ransom to Ransom is his name? Ransom, yeah, and uh, great name. Yeah. And I... I just, I, I really enjoyed this. But basically, the setup is uh, Wealthy Crime Novelist. Look, as, as per usual, if you want to remain totally spoiler-free, then you go watch the film, which is playing pretty much everywhere at the moment, and then come back and hear the review. But Wealthy Crime Novelist, or skip forward 30 seconds, it's up to you. Wealthy Crime Novelist Harlan Thrombey, in, played by Christopher Plummer, invites his family to his mansion for his 85th birthday. The next morning, Harlan's housekeeper finds him dead, apparently having slit his own throat. Or did he? Or did he? An anonymous party hires a private detective named Benoit Blanc. Daniel Craig. Played by Daniel Craig in full foghorn leghorn mode. Or Shelby Foote, the historian from uh, Ken Burns' documentary series, The Civil War. If you've ever heard anyone with that sort of drawl, apparently Shelby Foote is who he based it on, but it's so thick. And it, it, look, I have to admit, it did take a little bit of a of, of depressurizing or, or a bit of an airlock, if you want to call it that, for me to go through and wait and then acclimatize to that accent. Because Daniel Craig <laughs> is the most British thing, I think, that exists. You're so used to him as Bond. Bond, exactly. It's so distracting at first. Like, you're just like, oh, I, I had to sort of get into the groove a little bit.
1: It didn't take me long because I he was enjoying himself. Yeah. And that's yes. clear. So I was, all
0: right, isn't let's it, go. Isn't it funny how much that can actually make a film, how much it can actually make it better when the actor's are actually having that fun. All of them
1: seem to have it, be having a ball. Uh, it's really weird. They, but they've all got nice, juicy roles. Yeah, they've to... all got
0: juicy roles. They've all got... It's a very meticulously constructed script. And so you, I guess as an actor, you know going into it, that you, you might... You might not feature on screen as much as anybody else, but everybody has a particular part. If to If you're play. a part of that ensemble, it's yeah. yeah, and it's something, and you'd know going in that your characters, you know, you're not going to get cut out of the film. Yeah, it's, it yeah. has to exist, right, for the structure. And uh, I guess basically, um, this is the spoiler. It's a bit of a spoilery setup, so I'll continue. But um, these are only the first few moments yeah, of the movie, so it's not really, because it, so, it is a setup. So Blanc turns up, Benoit Blanc. And he learns that Harlan, the uh, patriarch who has uh, died, apparently at his own hand, had threatened to expose his son-in-law for having an affair, Richard. Uh, He threatened to cut off his daughter-in-law, Joni's allowance, for stealing from him. And he had fired his youngest son, Walt, from his publishing company and cut his grandson, Ransom, out of his will. So there's a lot of, you're no longer in the will, you're no longer doing this, you and setting up these different situations amongst the children of the murder victim, there are multiple motivations yes. and multiple suspects, I guess, because of it. So you really. Well, you know,
1: as Daniel Craig said, he hasn't ruled any suspects
0: out. That's right. And as is the norm for the whodunit genre, there's an, uh, the investigating detective as well as a secondary character who we follow. And that character is Marta, who is Harlan Thromby's nurse. And she's played by Anna Armas. The, the Thromby family, they
1: they claim to love her and. The, yeah. <laughs> rattle off, I think, five different countries right. that she's, she's from. She's from Ecuador. She's from Paraguay. Paraguay. She's yeah. from
0: Uruguay. Yeah. It's, it's They clearly love her. Yeah. She's a family member. Yeah. And so we follow Marta's retracing of the previous night's events. And it's through this plot device that the film then shifts from being a whodunit into being a Hitchcock style thriller. Mm-hmm. And then it shifts back to a whodunit at the because we end. Even have a chase scene too don't yeah, we yeah i think they refer to it as the stupidest car chase as <laughs> this it is a very stupid car chase it did make me laugh but it, it so i found this aspect of the film to be most satisfying the way that it flips the genre tropes and plays with style and tone daniel craig clearly having fun having a ball with yeah. that southern accent yeah. and it's a daring move i think for him because he's so well known as playing bond but he has done this before in logan lucky where he played joe bang yeah and young's. he was great that too Explosives and that's the thing expert, I, I think yes.
1: you look at him in bond and think oh well how hard is it to play bond you just kind of do that mm. that thing that bonds do but then you compare him to the other bonds he's my favorite bond oh ah, okay so i like what logan lucky's good mm, fun mm. and this is just a delight
0: yeah i i actually i think out of all the bonds i probably like timothy dalton um, he's yeah i like timothy dalton i'll he still speak two to films. You, yeah you know. <laughs> Roger Moore. I like Roger Moore's arched eyebrows, sleazy, kind of gross. I guess they uh, are at their time though, aren't they? They are of
1: their If I was 10 years younger yes. or t- 20 years younger, then... It's like, how old different... were you
0: when you first watched Bond? But then, because yeah. Daniel
1: Craig is the one that brought us back to where Bond is now.
0: <laughs> he's sort of, as I think it's Michael Mann once used this phrase but uh, to describe Tom Cruise and Collateral, but he's rough trade in an expensive suit, yeah. and that's kind of what... Yeah. Daniel Craig is as Bond. Let's get back to Knives Out. Yeah, Ryan Johnson's previous film was Last Jedi, so he loves clearly playing in his own sandbox. I think apparently Last Jedi took four years to make for him. So I think knocking out a film after like like in the in the space of one year, he literally had the script in a February, and then by the, I think it was by uh, July August, they were making the film. That's pretty good. So, yeah, he, he, he basically knocked it out really quickly. So he, he, here's a clip, actually, I've got of him. It's a Q&A he did with Steve Weintrail, the Collider's um, writer. Here he's talking to Ryan Johnson about uh, the inspirations for the style of the film in the whodunit genre and the benefits of using an all-star cast. As much as I get through, Christy Books were a big inspiration for this. Um I grew up watching, like, my favorite uh, Agatha Christie's are the ones where Peter Ustinov plays Poirot. So it's uh, Death on the Nile, Evil Under the Sun. Uh, And those movies, I guess, Murder on the Orient Express kind of started out. They're big, they're very pointedly all-star casts. That's one of the pleasures. We're putting on a big show. This is a spectacle. And um, when we sat down to make this movie, I really consciously wanted to do this. I think I said to Rom, I said, you know, we want an all-star cast with this. It's one of the things every person who shows up, you should say, ooh, it's that person, you know, you have that reaction. So, so I like the idea that uh, Ryan Johnson essentially wanted to introduce a device that would make it impossible for one of the main characters to lie which then introduces a whole other level to the film and a whole other level of misdirection as well because the way he deploys that I found quite fascinating. And also particular characters that you suspect and then when you're seeing them in a conversation, they seem very convincing and there's a lot of self-interest and you think, oh, okay, I believe that character. I believe they're actually – what they're saying is true. Like it's completely airtight. Like I was thought about it afterwards. It's like does it all kind of lock in and form? It does. It's a really, really well constructed, well made, beautifully written and beautifully thought out. Who done it? I haven't had a, had a who done it to laugh out loud at moments. Yeah.
1: What's Kenneth Branagh did uh, Murder on the Orient Express, mm. and I had. Problems with that one because there's no, it's not really funny.
0: I, I like Kenneth Branagh though uh, as a as a filmmaker. I think he, he he's got a good. He keeps um, doing different good things, eye. which is always good. Yeah, I like what he did in that. I like I liked his priority. Like I thought, you know, I'd watch. He is doing Death on the Nile. I didn't dislike the film, but it wasn't like this. This was fun.
1: Mm. You've got all those elements, the cast relishing their before they're just having a ball. Mm. It looks great. The design of it. So, do you anticipate now that we're going to get a whole stack of I, Aga, I would not the Christie reimaginings.
0: But, Well, let's face it, I mean, in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, we're all pretty familiar. And in the US, they have BBC America and yep. stuff, but we are all pretty familiar with Frost and Inspector Morse and Midsummer Murders and yep. all these endless whodunits that the BBC and um, ITV in the UK pump out. Uh, it's not like we're not. They get very same-samey, though, don't they? Yeah. Right? The US probably is not that. Familiar with it. And so for an audience there, you are introducing a genre that's been sort of uh, abandoned for a long time. If they give me more like this, Mm. okay, all right. And the funny thing is it's grossed more than Rise of Skywalker in China. Brian Johnson's sitting somewhere giggling to himself. Yep. So he's um, announced intentions to make a Benoit Blanc sequel. So he'll have him investigating something else. And I thought... That, that would be really enjoyable. It must be so much fun to make them because, yeah. I mean, actors love the ensemble setting, but also just to have that many big-name actors in a small house and you're all having fun playing essentially what amounts to, like, a board game because yeah. Yeah. it is Clue. Yeah. Like, he did
1: um, – I said that to uh, the person I was with who, who wouldn't know them. like explained, that's,
0: that's that game that we uh, – Yeah. You can even see in the colorings. Um, to he told the costumer to – design costumes for everyone that makes them have a distinctive look and mm-hmm. color, but without it looking too over the top, but what? I want them to look like characters from Clue. And that's why they are all sort of color toned. Like Don Johnson wears sort of a purple motif. So mm-hmm. all his clothing have like a purple kind of hue to Perfect. it. And so, yeah, you have all different colorings. And stuff. I just thought that aspect made it visually interesting. And that, the, this because often I'll say
1: to someone, you know, after seeing it, oh no, wait for it on Blu-ray, do your streaming, yeah. or whatever I,
0: go to the cinema and go to see the cinema this and one see it. it's, it's fun to see and it is if you weird. want that sound too cuz
1: the music works a treat and then when he's uh, um, daniel craig's doing his interviewing yes. bit and that just that piano yeah <laughs> that
0: was hitting the single yeah. key on which the which is in the trailer hear that yeah. little key in the trailer apparently he was supposed to kick the back of the chair i did the um the in cinema commentary with um ryan johnson where you can download it if you google that commentary uh, knives out commentary ryan johnson Uh, It'll take you to a website, the film website, and it actually has it to download. And and you download the MP3, play it on your phone, listen to it in the cinema, and you can watch the film listening to it. talk. Don't tell people to listen. Well, no. You return to the cinema and you watch it again. Or when it's released, watch it on TV. That's when you listen them. to a commentary. Don't, don't piss off anyone oh, else in the cinema. No. Well, you know, uh, depends how many times you go to the cinema. If you're a repetitive viewer like myself, then yeah, that's not such a big deal. And listening to him talk, it was interesting. Yeah, the piano key thing was going to be Daniel Craig kicking the back of Lakeith Stanfield's chair. I think the piano sounds it was uh, but better. But the piano was because he was further away yeah. and he was next to a piano. Yeah. And they were like, well, oh, just hit a key on the piano. Yeah. And it has this strange, almost like neuro-linguistic programming where, where he's doing this odd thing that just just... just disrupts the conversation in the room and distracts everyone. And that sequence is fantastic. It's only one person. It's a good sequence
1: because they just jump in between all the... Yes, it's
0: terrific. Introducing all the siblings and all their various attitudes and sort of uh, personalities. But Jamie Lee Curtis is the only one that says who's that guy in the back? <laughs> <laughs> who's that? And they're like, oh, that's uh, Benoit Blanc. And they introduced Daniel Craig. It was terrific. She's the only one who actually he keeps plinking the piano in the middle of their conversation as if to de, sort of say to his uh, police colleagues, uh, you know, move on or the wrong question or keep going or mm-hmm. whatever.
1: No, it was great. Like, I just, I loved it. I loved it. And the end, like that reversal of the beginning at the end kind of. Yeah that the was, shot, the, yeah, shot oh, that.
0: The, the the final shot is a stonker it is fantastic <laughs> it works at that's track. what i love it because even even on a social level or like a socio political level Actually, it's, it's got, got lots w- to w- say. I should say so. Yeah, it's got lots to say. Yeah, yeah. It has little digs. It's it's, it's quite satirical. Mm. Again, you know, d- talking about immigrants and uh, you know the way that the rich family remember where she was born, and it's a different country depending <laughs> on who you speak to. <laughs> they don't even they think they know her, or they just pay lip service to it. You know, yeah. and that and even that in itself says something. But the, the film itself has a lot to say in little little ways about a number of different topics and the idea of the rich elite ruling class, the sort of uh, lower classes and the dynamic between them. I loved this film. I thought it was terrific.
1: The other thing it reminded me of was Sleuth as well, Laurence Olivier and...
0: uh... Sleuth and the other one, it's actually my personal favourite, is Death Trap with Christopher Reeve Uh, and Michael Caine. That's really worth watching. It's a good sort of, that is a comedic tone a kind of a, a biting comedic tone to it. recommending older films that you may not be acquainted with. We're going to coin this. This is actually going to have a name. <laughs> this will be you you can actually name it demos. This That's is this a classic corner. This is classic corner. That actually you saying that will be the the jingle now. I'll just put that <laughs> I'll just edit that out and put it in at the start. classic corner classic corner is our recommendations of films you may not be acquainted with old movies vintage films classic films but films you need to know about and because they usually share dna with movies that are made today because filmmakers are inspired they are invigorated by films from the past and sometimes they just blatantly copy them. And sometimes they blatantly rip them off. Let's yeah. face it, uh, originality is the art of concealing your sources.
1: Oh, just looking at my list, though, I don't know which one we want to start off with. Let's throw a dart. There's a few on the list. We're just going to talk about The Wages of Fear and Diabolique, which was, that mm. was remade with Sharon Stone. and It's from 1955. Mm. And it, it's essentially the wife and mistress of a loathed school principal hatch a plan to murder him while having the perfect alibi. Mm. They carry out the plan but then his body disappears. Mm. And it's the anxiety and stress and mystery of it all that leads you on this path of, I I can't give away the ending, but you need to kind of involves a swimming pool and a missing body and uh, Mm -hmm. they do murder him. Mm. And it's a bit gruesome, but I don't want to give away the ending because right at the start is what what Hitchcock used to do. And and at the start of Psycho, they would say, you know, you're not going to be admitted after a certain point film started, uh, you're not coming in. Don't give it away.
0: Don't spoil it for people. Have you seen it? Do you know what? I have not seen it. Uh, the remake, by the way, is Sharon Stone, Isabella Jani, and Charles Palmentary Well, I but, don't want to sound uh, horrible because I like to try and find positives and things, but I don't. It's actually been remade and adapted numerous times, uh, even an ABC TV adaptation in the, the 70s called Reflections of Murder. And, and uh, it had Sam Waterston Tuesday Weld. Yeah, there's been quite a few. It's a terrific idea and sort of the plot mechanics are unassailable, which yeah. is probably why it's been remade and remade so many times.
1: It And it does work a treat. And even even having seen it before and you know mm. the ending, mm. double, triple twist yep. kind of thing yep. at the end and... It looks good. It's a reedy, as a friend of mine would call it, but that's fine too. But it's it's nicely shot. There's good good um, music, but the cast is also... Like Vera Clouseau, that's the director's mm. wife, she's very pretty. Mm. Tragically died young. She's oh. like 46, 47. She died of a heart attack. She was also in uh, his previous film, The Wages of Fear. But it's just done well. Mm. Like Nice creepy moments. Like there are some creepy moments and, and things that set it up to... To, to point you to something that you're not realising at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I like clever filmmaking.
0: Yes. Yeah, which does tie in with the it, Knives Out a bit. It does. Hitchcock came out
1: in 1960, 1960 with Psycho. He'd done all mm-hmm. these big, beautiful Technicolor films. Clouseau comes out with this film, Diabolique particularly. Stark black and white, contrast high, looks good. So Hitchcock makes a black and white film mm. against everything he's done. It's huge, goes well. But it's interesting that I know that they compared him to the Hitchcock, Clouseau. To Hitchcock, but nothing I can find in any of my Hitchcock books, which is a bookshelf in itself, mentions it other than the Stephen Ribello, Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho, and that's mentioned in passing a couple of times here. Mm. So I'm not sure whether there was actually a rivalry between
0: the two I of them. Th- I think there would have been. There would have happened, yeah, because
1: the world was a bit smaller.
0: We didn't have the internet then, so it was quite a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, there would have. I, I just don't think that there could be, a fi- that filmmakers with those, that many similarities, there would certainly have been um, a bit of an aberration fan fan club going on between yep. them. I mean, surely, I mean, I know that there was between like the 70s movie brats that came out, like Spielberg and William Friedkin and Francis Coppola, they all loved the French filmmakers. Hitchcock had a different relationship with them though. So, you know, he started in Britain. He started, where well, he made the first talkie in Britain, but he also... Blackmail. Yeah, blackmail, and... Um he spent years directing in Britain before he moved to the States. So he would have, a, I think his awareness of French filmmaking would have probably been more than American filmmakers. So but he, I,
1: I'd, I'd say that maybe influenced,
0: but he didn't certainly copy them mm. uh, at, at any, at any. I think it was probably the opposite. I mm. would say that, well, it's always a bit of a shared inspiration really, isn't it? It's one inspires the other and you kind of, it's like um, Woody Allen's obsession with Ingmar Bergman and yeah. how they actually de- developed into a close friendship, but they did kind of inspire each other and pushed each other. I don't creatively.
1: see Alfred Hitchcock having many friends. I don't know. I just get this impression of him being yeah. a solitary kind of.
0: All the books I've read about him, I don't recall. There were many close, close friends of his. I think his closest confidant was Alma, was his wife. Yeah,
1: and and Patricia, his daughter, was yeah. she's a lovely person. So mm. I'm not going to say too much more about that. Than other than seek it out, it is available. Mm. It's out there to, to to purchase, so you can find that to watch. He's done a couple of films, like the murder. The murderer lives at number forty and number twenty one. He's a good mm. early. That's like nineteen forties French. It's quite. That's his first film. Clever, I guess so. Le Le Corbeau, which is uh, I think the Raven, something like that. This is fun, but the Wages of Fear is the one that strikes me as a really. It's two and a half hours long, and Mm.
0: it's it's okay. I did not know that
1: guys transporting. There's a mine disaster off. You're in this poor, poor South American town, and there's a Mm -hmm. mine disaster over, over the hills and far away and Mm. they need to transport nitroglycerin to put out this fire over the mountains and this this rocky terrain so they hire these guys to drive you know and nitroglycerin it's temperamental yes to say the least yes and we don't set off on the journey for an hour into the film so you get to know the characters you get
0: to get you get in deep with them yes and the
1: thing is there's a number of different versions out there but that's the one to find is mm. the two and a half hour. There's a slightly, even a slightly mm. longer one, but it's not even a director's cut. So the director's one is two hours, 29 or something like that. Two hours
0: wow. I'm, I'm actually going to, I have, I've watched William Friedkin's Sorcerer. Oh, which, the inspiration for this. Which for that. was, this was a remake of and, yeah. um, and Sorcerer is a terrific film and, and hues pretty closely to the story, the plotting in this. It has a, a bit of a different en- entry into the story, but the essential plot of a, a company hiring the men who, that they're, they're down on their luck, which should also be mentioned. I mean, they're kind of desperate. So there's this sort of desperation. Yeah. And that, that ekes that out of the,
1: the original as well, because... They say they say that's it's, it's a place that's easy to get into like the town is easy
0: to get into but impossible to get out. And they drive these two trucks over mountains and the trucks are loaded with nitroglycerin. And and if anyone's not familiar with nitroglycerin it's a kind of a clear liquid but it's so combustible that all you got to do is shake it and it could yeah. it, it would explode. And it only takes a very small amount to make a a huge amount of damage. So um there's incredible tension. So you essentially it's a character it's a sort of it's a it's a character piece where they are literally traveling on vehicles that can explode at any moment and yeah because of that you're just constantly tense and you and, are uh, tense because you're like yeah. a passenger with them
1: mm. yves montan is in it and he's he's really good mm. um the, the other cast members, I, you know, I'm not going to rattle off other than Vera Clouseau was in this as well. The Wages of Fear, mm. like it's in the title. We're going to pay you $2,000, $4,000 or whatever it is, which in in that, you know, we're talking a long time ago. That's a lot of money for these poor people that have... Nothing. Mm. Jump at the chance to do. It makes my palms sweaty yes. thinking about a couple of those moments. Yeah,
0: things happen. Things happen. And,
1: uh, <laughs> and but don't balk at the length. I know I'm always bitching yeah, about uh, how long films are. This one is it. It deserves that length because oh. it, you feel by the end. Mm.
0: <sighs> <sighs> yeah, yeah, you just you just want relieved, to exhale or, and relax. Yeah. So that there. That's my classics corner. Mm-hmm. Seek out his uh, Henri Georges Clouseau. Henri Georges Clouseau, Les Diaboliques and The Wages of Fear.
1: Classic Corner.
0: So uh, you can check out our older podcasts, uh, my other print reviews, uh, other radio movie reviews, uh, audio clips at generaladmissions.org and you can follow me on Twitter at Jared Walker, that's double R-O-D like overdose. Demo, where can people follow your activities? I'm on the Twitters as well at uh, Demo Loves Movies. There we go. Have a good one and uh, we will talk to you next time.
1: See ya.